What's going on, everybody? I hope this finds you striving and thriving and doing absolutely amazing. My name is Brian Martin. I'm a second grade teacher and host of the Teaching Champions podcast. And today we're joined by Dr. Zach Bowermaster. He's an author, a speaker, a school administrator. And in this conversation, listen, as Dr. Bowermaster talks about making connections in school, listen. As he talks about the importance of prioritizing people, creating a strong school culture, the power of encouragement, and so much more. Now, if you think someone would benefit from listening to this episode, please share. This podcast is all about supporting, encouraging, and lifting each other up. And by sharing, you're helping spread some amazing messages by some pretty special guests. And before we get into this episode, I just want to share with you an amazing opportunity. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle-Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, the NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead a cast of over 100 middle-level specific teaching and learning presentations. Our featured lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Caffelli, Darren Peppard, LaQuanta Nelson, and the guest on this podcast, Mr. Principal Zach Bowermaster. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org today to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. Now let's get into this episode with Dr. Zach Bowermaster. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I am super excited for this episode. We have someone who is so authentic, someone who's so knowledgeable, and just such an amazing person. We have Zach Bowermaster with us today. Zach, welcome to the Teaching Champions Podcast, my friend. Brian, thanks for having me. Great to be here. I I certainly always appreciate your encouragement. Uh, I know you're I know you're a huge encourager out there, and I know it's encouragement to me every morning. So it's great to be with you. Well, you're an encourager, just like myself, <laughs> my friend. So uh, for the people that aren't familiar with who you are, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about yourself? Yep. So Zach Bowermaster, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So about an hour and a half west of Philadelphia, it, it is an Amish area. So I don't know if anyone's been here. There's Amish. You might have heard of the outlets, sight and sound. Those are some areas around here. Uh, but I am a principal. I'm the proud principal of Providence Elementary School. And I really have a unique educational background where I started as a high school teacher, ninth grade social studies teacher, taught middle school social studies for five years. When I got into admin, it was three years at the high school level in a hybrid role, also K-12 online learning administrator. And then I went to elementary where I was an assistant principal for a year. And then the past uh, almost three years now, I've been an elementary principal. So it's been awesome to see K to 12 lens. So that's that's professionally. I'm also an author and then a proud father and proud husband to my wife, Carly, and our three beautiful children, ages 11, 8, and 6. I'm a firm firm believer in leading family first. Yes, that is awesome, my friend. And, you know, you come down from the high school level 
and being at the elementary level my whole career, I know all, all about my friends down there. But for you, like going with uh, the older students and coming down, especially this time of year, how's that been for you? It's been a lot of fun. And I when I when I need a little confidence boost, I go visit kindergarten and first grade classrooms there. <laughs> they come running up. They come hugging. What I try to do at the end is so I don't just be so I'm not just that principal that stirs the class up and walks out. I make sure they get really silent before I walk out. But but they're a lot of fun. They're making me a lot of handmade cards right now. Uh, a lot of excitement building towards Christmas and the holiday season. So it, it's it's been tremendous at the elementary level. I do love all levels. I think um, I, at the high school level, I miss that feeling of being the cultural hub of a school district, really having those adult conversations with kids as they're about to go off to college. So I say now, like I, I was I was shaking hands on stage at graduation, and now I'm at um, kindergarten orientation. So it's been really <laughs> neat to see because I love elementary. I think it's so important to connect families, to connect kids have a great early experience with school because our experiences shape our attitudes and beliefs. And I want mm -hmm. kids and I want families to have a great first experience uh, that will last through elementary, middle, and high school with our school district. Yeah, I think that, you know, the younger students, it's so important right from the get-go that we create a great culture for them, a great culture for the families so that they, they want to send their students there, that they're excited. And uh, yeah, so it's so special. And we were talking uh, before we got it rolling about the first tweet that I ever saw you on about dress like your principal day. Can uh, you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, at my previous principal assignment at, at Kissel Hill Elementary, we had a dress like a principal day. And at the same time, I had just got a I had surgery on my foot. I had plantar fasciitis, was really struggling, got surgery. So I was in a boot. And we had this dress like a principal day and, and I like the, I wear a suit. So kids came in <laughs> with suits on, but they also made boots because I had a boot on my left foot. So they all had a boot on their left foot. And this one kid was decked out in a suit and we sat down on a chair and we crossed our legs and we leaned, we leaned back. And, and I remember I took <laughs> it out. I put dress parentheses and sit like a principal day. Uh, it was, it was well-received, but it was certainly a lot of fun. Uh, there were so many boys and girls dressed like a principal that day. We got a lot of good pictures and just had a lot of fun. Yeah, you could see like that. I, we were talking about like that was the first tweet that I ever uh, really connected with you on. And uh, you could see the joy in the young man's face. It was just awesome. Yeah. No, I want I want kids. I want families. I want them to be proud of their school. Like right now, it's it's Providence Elementary for me. Um and I want it to be the best. I just have this that desire. Like I want the best for these kids and their, their families, mm -hmm. uh, and I want them. To, I want them to be proud of the school. We just uh, we do something. It's so simple. Uh, we do fist bump Friday, where I, I mean, I'll be honest. I fist bump every day, but we really okay. celebrate it on Fridays. We call it fist bump Friday. As kids mm -hmm. are coming in, we're fist bumping everyone in the hallway. Fist bumping. I get on the announcements and I, I let them know it's Fist Bump Friday. And basically what we're doing is we're celebrating another awesome week together because mm -hmm. we go through good we go through good times together as a school. We go through difficult times together as a school, but we stay together. And I, I talk about the fist why the fist bump, because if you have you have your hand out and your your fingers are separated, it looks like individuals. But when you close that fist, it's coming mm -hmm. together. And, yes. and that's what it that's what it symbolizes for us. And it was last Friday 
the local news, WGAL, they came out and did a story on it. And it was really neat because it's been neat to see uh, the kids that were on the news, the families share that, and move that around. And just you can see how proud they are of the school. And that's what I want. I want mm-hmm. people to be. I, I want them. To, I want everyone to feel connected and, and wanting to come to school. Because when they come to school, that attendance rises. They're they're in their seats. They're in the classrooms. They're able to learn more at their best. It, it all goes hand in hand. There's such a domino effect. Yes, I, I love you. Number number one, you're telling your story. You're getting your story out there. the The community is embracing it. And with that fist bump, I know we're both uh, basketball guys because yeah. you you love yeah. basketball. Like one thing that I read about that always stayed with me was Steve Nash and Steve Nash, unbelievable basketball player back in the day. And they, UC Berkeley was doing a study about teams that were the most successful and, you know, the connection they had on the court. So they, they were measuring, you know, how many fist bumps, high fives, pat on the backs a team would do and the correlation it had. And what they found is the teams that did the most were the most successful and the teams that did it the least were the least successful. So at the time, Steve Nash, he's playing for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Suns, they do their own study and the Phoenix Suns find out there. They study Steve Nash, who's the MVP of the NBA at the time. And over the course of a 48 minute game, Steve Nash does, you know, he has that positive interaction, that fist bump, that high five, that pat on the back 239 times. So, you know, I've taken that, like, how many fist bumps, how many positive interactions can you do in a single day? So I love that yeah. you, you're bringing your whole staff into this with that, you know, that fist bump Friday. That's amazing, Brian. I appreciate you sharing that. Big basketball fan. Uh, really wasn't aware of that. And I, I think that's telling. Like, that, that's telling, that little bit of, a, that little bit of encouragement. Because I think, yeah. like, probably especially in basketball during a game, and I think about this at school, you give a fist bump when someone does well, like, hey, nice job. Or if you're coming off something difficult, like someone just someone just messed up, or I'm talking to a kid about behavior, when they're leaving, I'm still giving a fist bump. Like, just all the, like you're saying, all those different interactions. And I can just picture Steve Nash throughout the course of a basketball game, the highs and lows, but yet mm-hmm. you're staying steady, like, we got this, we got this, and just encouraging people. Yes. I love that, like you talked about right there, like the staying steady. The even yeah. if they're leaving your office on, you know, they came and it wasn't for uh, good things that they were visiting you. That you that you're still there and and you're fist bumping. All right, we got this. All right, yeah. and and, you know? and I think about it. Let's say there's a difficult situation with the kid on Wednesday. On mm-hmm. Thursday, I want to give them that fist bump because sometimes they probably wonder. I wonder. I wonder what Doctor B's thinking about me right now. I wonder what Doctor B. Here's the fist bump. Okay, we're ready to move mm-hmm. forward. We're ready to move forward. Yes. So. And that's something I never give up on you. Yeah. That I'm yeah. going to be that steady person in your life. Yeah. I, I like I like the word steadfast. And the definition of steadfast is dutifully, dutifully firm and unwavering. And, I, and mm-hmm. I like that. Like, we, we can't get too high. We can't get too low. Uh, we need to be we need to be steady for these kids. As an administrator, I need to be steady for the staff, steady for the families. Mm-hmm. Never too high, never too low. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good, bud. So I want to talk a, a little bit because you came out with this new book, Leading with People. And one thing that, I, you know, I talked to a bunch of administrators and a book like this, Leading with People, I look at it as, number one, it's not just for inside the school. There were so many, 
listen, I was up till midnight finishing this book because I wanted to be ready and it was so good. You know, we can take it outside of the school. And it's I don't think it's just for administrators. I'm looking at everything that you wrote in there. I'm a leader of the classroom. And if I, t- I can take your lessons and apply them with my students as well. Yeah, I, I love how John Maxwell describes leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So I'm a big believer in that we're all leaders. We, ha- we all have influence. And that's mm-hmm. exactly right. And that's part of why I wrote it, because part of why I wrote it is I'm a practitioner in the fact that I'm an administrator, I'm a youth coach, I'm a father. But I'm going through it like I'm going through it and I'm mm-hmm. I'm learning things, but I'm also struggling through it. So I'm almost writing it as I'm struggling through it and going through it. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful in the feedback I've gotten is that people can relate to it, whether it be a relation relationship with their spouse or as a parent, as a teacher, as an administrator, uh, as a business owner, a nonprofit owner, just being able to apply it anywhere. And at the end of it, there's a seven by seven, there's a 49 day action plan that goes along with it. And I preface it with, maybe you need to take this to your work right now for 49 days and just apply it to your work. Maybe you mm-hmm. just need to apply it to your home right now for 49 days. Maybe there's one relationship in your life that you need to apply it to for 49 days. And that's what I really want to encourage readers to do, reflect, uh, examine themselves and, and really think about where they need to focus their time as a leader. And, and that, and like I, and like I said earlier, that that's why I wrote it because I, I don't have the perfect answer. I'm going through it mm-hmm. right now, but what I do is share, share stories along the way of how people impacted me and how we can ap- apply it to, to others in our leadership. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love how you broke that up. Like, uh, let's, you know, it doesn't have to be all encompassing. It can be just a certain part of your life to apply it to. That's so good, my friend. Now you had uh, an acronym that that went several pillars that uh, you talked about in this. Can we uh, dive into those a little bit? Let's let's dive in, and I'll even dive in with the opening story a little bit. Uh, I was I was leading. I was when it's when I was teaching seventh grade social studies, Swift Middle School, and I was leading a meeting, and I passed out. So I, I, I pass out in this meeting, and I come to, and I'm surrounded by the school nurse. I'm surrounded by other teachers and I'm surrounded by the assistant principal. So I, I, I hear Zach, Zach, and, and I open my eyes and they're all around me. And, and here, this is where I really kick it off. I knew I had been struggling. So I'd been struggling with anxiety and depression. And what happened mm-hmm. and what caused me to pass out was um, anxiety, fear. It, it just caused uh, caused me to be nauseous and led me to, to pass out. And I... I feared passing out. Like I was like, man, it started to become a worry and fear of mine. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pass out. But then I go and I, I pass out. And what it did was, it actually began something I didn't want to happen. It began to mm-hmm. open up the opportunity for me to tell my story. So I started to be able to tell people what was happening in my life. Hey, like, like I'm battling anxiety and depression. Um, and I remember there was a guy at church that stood up and shared his testimony about what he was going through with the battle of anxiety. So I like it, it just literally, as I opened that story, like it opened my eyes to needing people right there was the school nurse and teachers and the assistant principal. And they were ready to help me right after I passed out. So really I started to realize the importance of needing people in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and then the lessons that they've taught me along the way that I can apply. 
And so then breaking down the acronym, so I so I say it's leading with people. And the definition of with is accompanied by, because I was trying to do things by myself. I was trying to hide this anxiety and depression. I was trying to push through as a teacher and coach and father, but really behind the scenes, I was drowning. And I, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to turn to, but I was trying to fight this battle all by myself. Mm-hmm. And just opening up to people with people, realizing people need to come alongside me in my leadership to ultimately help me be a better leader to others. Yes. Yes. Because we don't have to walk this alone. Like we, we need other people. And I I loved how, you know, you, you talked about like that, that passing out, but we don't know what other people are going through. And you talk about this in your book, like you look at you. All right. For the people that aren't familiar with Zach, Zach is like 6'3", 6'4", 240, looks a, like a bulldozer. I got to go do some push-ups after this interview that, uh, you know, and you're a coach, you're a father, like people probably don't see what's happening on the inside. We see this person that's supposed to be so strong, but yeah. all of us have something going on on the inside. Yeah, no, we're, we're certainly made, we're made to be in community. We need people. And what I start to do then throughout the book is, I start to lay this framework and it begins with building our foundation. And, and certainly my foundation and my first book was leading with a humble heart, leading with people is really built on Christ and, and my faith in Jesus and how like reading, reading the Bible, prayer, um, having mentors in my life, creating mm-hmm. T charts of when I'm operating from overflow and, and when I'm overcommitted. So just a lot of self-examination there to lay our frame, our foundation, because once we lay the foundation, then we can start to build the pillars. Mm-hmm. But if we're if we're trying to lead, once I get into the pillars, but if we're trying to do that without our foundation, the pillars are going to fall apart. And that's right. why we need to have a strong foundation as leaders. And again, when I say leaders, I'm talking to everyone because we all have influence. Mm-hmm. So really taking the time to build the foundation. And then when you get into the action plan, the first seven days are on building the foundation. But I say, this doesn't stop after seven days. Like you're, you're building your foundation every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then it, and then it really gets into the acronym of people. I actually first wrote it on my couch on a, or a Reese's Pieces box. I was just sitting there. And <laughs> I, the idea started coming. I love candy, by the way. And I think I say it in the book. Like my kids hide candy from me sometimes. But <laughs> so I have this Reese's Pieces box. But then the P, when you get into the acronym of people, is prioritize. And we need to prioritize people. And one time I was sitting with my wife and, and she sat down and she said, Zach, you're not practicing what you preach. And mm-hmm. our family is becoming a byproduct of it. And and a, a byproduct is a secondary result, an unintended result. And, and that stung me. I was like, wow, like, I don't want my family to be an unintended, a secondary result. But when I started thinking about that byproduct, I want to prioritize them. Uh, but then thinking about that in all my leadership roles, really wanting to prioritize people. Sometimes we write down a to-do list, we accomplish our to-do list, we go home and we realize we missed relationships and we we missed mm-hmm. people. And my wife, she also, I'll keep saying my wife because she she fills me with so much wisdom. Mm-hmm. But there there was one day, like I was I was overworking. She didn't want to see my laptop out over the weekend, but she she caught me working and and she wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And she said, like she, she was a stay at home mom at the time. She said, Zach, look around. 
And mm-hmm. as I was looking around, there was a, a load of laundry to be done. There was there was a, a kid's mess on the floor. Um, and she said, if I focused on getting my to-do list done, if I focused on this all the time, you know what we'd be missing? The relationships with the kids. And that's something that stood with me too. Like those, those to-do, those tasks, yes, we still need to get them done and we'll get them done, but it can't come at the expense of making people a bypro- byproduct of our lives. They need to be mm-hmm. a priority. So, so the first chapter really dives into prioritizing people. Um, and, and I talk about things like how we greet people. Like we talk about fist bump Friday, um, mm-hmm. how we, how we greet people matters. I talk about prioritizing your most precious crop because my, my grandfather was a farmer. And when, when he was, um, in his last days, and we had a, a, a precious family prayer time around him. And I remember my cousin saying, uh, praying for grandpa, just saying that he was, uh, he was a farmer who always prioritized his most precious crop, his family. And mm-hmm. and I'll come back to that so much. We we can't lose sight of of leading our families, whether it be spouse, kids, and those people close to us. So that's a little bit with uh with the P. I don't know if you have any thoughts there, Brian. Yeah, no, I th- I think it is so important. And one thing that I wrote down when I was reading your book last night is you talked about like it's not what we have time for. It's who we make time for. Yeah. And and one thing, you know, I I thought it was so powerful. I mean, both stories where your wife is like, hey, I need you here. And there's always going to be something to do. Yeah. But I need you here with the family being present. Don't miss out on this moment with us. And then just, uh, you know, you talked about that time with your grandfather. And it is like at the end of the day, it's, you know, being there being present, not missing out on those moments with your family is so important. And what I do to to share how I make this applicable, because I'm a firm, like I said, I'm a firm believer in where leading where I am. So that's my family, but also where I serve as principal. So for the month, so in August at our opening in service, I rolled out our focus for the year is people. Mm-hmm. And the month of September, what I did was almost give all the staff a game board that was the focus was prioritize and there there were little things probably nine different things that i was asking if they wanted to participate that they could but that they focused on prioritizing people whether mm-hmm. that be whether that be greeting how they greeted someone whether that be doing an activity with the family but i want to make sure i'm prioritizing a healthy staff so that they can be at their best for the kids and mm-hmm. And I and I think one of the best one of the best compliments I've gotten was at a local fair. A husband of one of our teachers came up to me and he just said how refreshed his wife seems this school uh-huh. year. Um, she's operating great at home. She's energized going to school, and and that's part of what I want to build. So in September, mm-hmm. I had them working through that prioritize game board and then they can turn it in what i do was then the, the ones that do it i do have a little extra gift for them a local coffee shop i have a five dollar gift card just to make it fun for something for right. the, the, the teachers to work towards um, but also to build that culture where i am as a principal because mm-hmm. i i just want um i don't want it to just be a leader that exemplifies the people principles that i talk about I want that to that domino effect to flow through the school with the staff. Right. And then ultimately we're focused on the students providing them the best experience possible. So um so September was prioritized. Mm-hmm. October then was the E empathize. 
And at the beginning of the empathize chapter, I talk about, I go into more detail about how I was feeling during my time of anxiety and depression, because it's opened my eyes as a leader. Like I felt so awful, like physical symptoms. I wasn't sleeping. I, I started to fake sick so I wouldn't have to go out in public. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it wasn't good. And, and like you said earlier, on the outside, no one would have guessed it. And and that's something that has really softened and shaped, and shaped me as a leader, just realizing mm -hmm. all the different stories that are out there. And I'm, I'm a firm believer. I know it's said fairly often, but every child has a story, but so does every adult. And, mm -hmm. and I want to create a culture where the adults, the staff, that they feel comfortable, like, like really creating a family environment at school to share stories with one another. Obviously, there's some things you want to keep private. You don't have to tell everyone. But I think sometimes, like I've learned as I've started to share my story, now it's out in a book. Mm -hmm. It it opens up a connection. You know, you know, people you hear too, people admire strengths. Um, but they connect with your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities. And that's what I that's what I try to share in there, especially when we're talking about empathy. So one of the things I encourage people to do in in the empathy chapter and then even on the staff at, at Providence Elementary is share your story. Start by sharing your story with someone else and mm -hmm. see where that conversation leads, because I guarantee it's going to make an impact on somebody. hundred percent, because everybody's walked a different path. They, if we take that time to to be curious and to listen, we we can learn so much. I think it, I want to say the Mayo Clinic. There, there's some video that I saw that uh, a famous hospital made it, and and what it was, it was to try and create empathy within their doctors. It's a tearjerker. Like you watch, and it goes through the hospital, and every person that that the camera goes past in the hospital, it has a different label. And some of those labels is they're standing in the elevator, like uh, there's a, could be a, a gentleman and it's like going to see his, his newborn son. And right next to him is another person that just found out that they had cancer. And, and it's going through this hospital and all these different labels. And it really makes makes you think, like you said, we all have stories. Every person that we pass in our schools has a story. And we, we talk a lot about the, the students, which is so important. That's why we're there. But the people that we work with, we could be with them for 10, 20, you know, 25 years. And that's a family right there. You go through life together. And, uh, you know, hearing other people's stories, being there to support one another is so key. I mean, that's so true. Um, and, and I think about like being unhurried. I like like this word unhurried. We're, we're, we're in such a hurry that we miss these stories. And yes. I use the example in the, the empathy chapter of a red light. You know, green means go. Yellow means slow down and red means stop. But as we approach yellow lights often while we're driving, what do we do? We speed up to get through mm -hmm. so we don't have to stop. And what happens when we speed through, like now we now we picture the hallways of a school. When we're speeding through, we're missing those things. And when we're driving faster, it's blurry out of our peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. But when we take the time to slow down at the yellow light, we're like, all right, we're stopped. Let's look around here. It, slow, it slows down. And then we can 
we we look and then we learn to discern the needs of others. Like when we truly get to know mm-hmm. people. So we we first prioritize people, we get to know them, then we can better empathize with them. But a lot of that comes by slowing down. And right. we're we're just always in a hurry. And I know principals and teachers, we walk so fast. There's so many things to do. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. But you could do the same thing as you walk through the hallways. And um, I can just picture, I've worked with so many teachers who have had a miscarriage or an attendant secretary who was diagnosed with cancer and, and is no longer working there. Uh, a school psychologist who had to go on medical leave because of uh, a deep battle with anxiety and depression. There are so many stories within our school, uh, but we're often going too fast to hear those stories. So just mm-hmm. slowing down. But then it's also our homes. Like when we walk by our spouse or our kids, do we need to just go, hey, I'm going to go sit beside my wife on the couch right now and say, hey, how are things going? A- anything you need. Like sometimes we're just we're, we're moving from point A to point B so, so fast that we just miss we miss the people around us. And like we said, it's not what we have time for. It's who we have time for. So just slowing down at those yellow lights. And I encourage readers, like when you're actually driving, try going in the slow lane and slowing down. Let people whiz mm-hmm. right by you. When you get to a yellow light, slow down because it also, it lets people go in front of you. Just just really try to be intentional about slowing down. Yeah, I saw that's so good. How about the O, my friend? Yeah, so that's observe the needs of others and respond with compassion. So there, there we, we take the time to slow down and observe the needs. I, I remember a time when I was riding bike with my three kids and we got, we were, we were having a great day and we got to a, a big hill. And I was like, all right, I know what I'll do as the leader. I'm going to pedal up and they're going to follow me. So I pedaled to the top of the hill. I made it, by the way, Brian. Good job to me. But as I turned around, all three kids, two kids were still about a quarter of the way up. And one kid was halfway up and they were crying. Mm. I helped them then come walk the bike. So maybe the next day, we're, we, it, it, I think it was spring, we were riding bike. And they didn't, they didn't want to go to the hill. I was like, let's try to go to the hill. And I tried mm-hmm. to give them some advice. I said, just gain some speed as you're going and it'll take you up. Same thing happened. They were crying. They yeah. wanted no parts of that hill. <laughs> so then uh, a few days later, we go back to the hill and I was like, all right, Zach, you got to switch it up. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I realized they couldn't get up. So what I said to my oldest daughter, I said, you go right in front of me. I'm going to pedal right behind you. And my other two kids... Elliot and Isaac, I said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pedal right beside you. Mm-hmm. Before I knew it, my oldest daughter had reached the top of the hill. And then there my kids are right beside me pedaling up and they made it to the top of the hill. And that's where it's it's sort of like observing the needs and responding with, with compassion. It's meeting people where they are and taking, taking them to places where they didn't realize they could go too. So I know mm-hmm. that's just a little story with my family, but as I think about that in leadership, we constantly need, again, if we go in order, prioritize, get to know people, empathize, we know their story. And then as we know people, we then can move into action with what they need. Um, so it, it is really, and you've probably heard the term reading the room. As you get to know people, right. it, it's certainly reading the room. So that one's really built with compassion for observing the needs and responding with compassion. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And you know, I I think of my students with that, like meeting them where they're at and helping them. You know, whether it's an academic need, maybe it's a social need. Yeah. You know, 
meeting them and going with them and walking alongside of them. In, in the story, and I tie it into the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, but I also, um, you know, Jonathan Alsheimer, the author, speaker, and teacher, mm-hmm. and and what he has done with a, a ray of hope. And when his daughter was sick in the hospital, his daughter was given like a box and she opened it up and there were some fun things in there. Uh, a stuffed animal, I think, really stood out. So what Jonathan has done, so he, he felt the empathy but then it moved him to observe needs and respond with compassion. So now, so now every year he's fundraising to to be able to deliver gifts to kids in hospitals, mm-hmm. and, and that's just a small example of meeting the needs. And that's why I, I challenge people in the book: is there is there something? Because sometimes it's just really small. Maybe sometimes it's just reaching out to someone by phone or having a conversation. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's something inside of you that's wanted to do something bigger. Maybe you want to start a nonprofit organization. Maybe there's a need that you've been seeing and you want to act on. So I encourage people like, hey, is there something out there that you want to start? Go for it. Yes, 100%. And, you know, small deeds can create big ripples. Mm-hmm. You know, one one small thing can make yeah. such a difference for somebody. Yeah. And I and I think part of compassion too is is that selfish, selfless leadership and just stopping what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my family, we were headed to Ocean City, New Jersey for a summer vacation. We packed, the car was packed. Like I have these picture, kids just packed. And on the back was a bike rack with five bikes. Mm-hmm. And we're like, all right, here we go. So we started driving down the road. I was like, I don't know if I feel good. I got out and I, I shook the bike rack and I got in. I looked at my wife and I was like, we're good to go. <laughs> we drive about five more minutes and I hear this loud noise. The bike rack snaps off the back. Uh, and um, so there we lose our bikes. A couple bikes are destroyed. I call my brother-in-law up and he he stops what he's doing mm-hmm. and he comes to help us out. And I thought he was coming just to like help us get our bikes home and then we'll go without our bikes. But what he did was he helped take our bike rack off, but then he put his bike rack on our car and then helped load our bikes up. And then we went on our way on our trip and the best part of the trip for our kids and family were, were was often the bike, the bike rides on the boardwalk and around mm-hmm. town. So compassion, I talk about compassion is stopping what we're doing to meet the needs mm-hmm. of others. Like he, my brother-in-law had something else to do. And then I'm sure it was 4th of July week. He They always ride bike as a family, but he, he gave us the bike rack and sent us on our way. So certainly looking around, just constantly looking around. So what are those needs around us? And even when it inconveniences us, even mm-hmm. when it inconveniences us, just looking to meet the needs of others. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, how about that fourth pillar, that yep. next P? Yep. So we have prioritize, empathize, observe the needs and, and respond with compassion. And then the then I have next one is P and that's pray. So I, I talk about in it about just the importance of, of praying for it and with people. And I share the story when I was assistant principal, my principal had this little black book that he kept by his computer. And I saw he would occasionally write in it. And I was like, I wonder what he's writing. And then I, I saw we were set to have a meeting to plan a, to plan for a faculty meeting. And I saw through the glass window, he was talking to a teacher who was visibly upset. And he came in. And the first thing I saw him do in his office is write in that black journal. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, what, what's that black journal that you're always writing in? And, and he held it up. I can still see it. Mr. Painter. He said, every every principal 
needs a black book. And what it was, was it was his prayer book. And what he mm-hmm. would do is, and, and it ties into observing the needs and empathy as well, as he would find out needs within the building, he, he would jot those down in his book. And he made sure to to pray about those things for his staff and for students and families. And that was so encouraging to hear. Um, and that's that's something that has always stuck with me, just that encouragement of prayer. And, and I talk about in building the foundation, having people like in community with you and having people walk alongside you. And, and just the importance of prayer, as I shared my about the importance of my faith in, in Jesus and the, the Christian walk. And and it's not always just praying for people, it's looking for opportunities to to pray with others. Yes. No, you know what? I, I read that and that's something that popped out right at me. I think that it's beautiful, like having that black notebook, writing down, uh, you know, who needs some prayers right now? What's yeah. going on? What do I need to pray over? And one thing that I've always found is sometimes, you, you know, you get that person in your mind. Maybe it's someone that you haven't talked to in a while and you just uh, you, you start thinking about them and, oh, I should contact them or you're, you're yeah. sending like good thoughts their, their way. And then out of the blue, they reach out and it's just, uh, yeah. you know, th- there's something special about whether yeah. it's prayer or, or just yeah. sending some people some yeah. heartwarming thoughts that. Yeah. And, and I found it very helpful because then it's like I have it and I'll be able to look through, like maybe I'll open it up and I like, need to touch base. You're like, I need to touch base with them or I'll even it, it's helpful where I'll, I'll put a calendar reminder in in my calendar. Like if mm-hmm. something happened on a certain date, I'll send a reminder maybe six months to a year later, just so I can check in with that person and really be intentional about letting oh, I them love know. That. I, yeah, letting them know I care. And it's not at first I felt I almost felt bad doing it, like like it was fake. And I was like, no, it's not fake. It, it, like I want to be able to remember six months from now. Mm-hmm. Um this tragedy. I had a, a school counselor where I was, and I remember we we were at a conference. He wasn't there, but we got a text that that he and his wife had just had their child. We were so excited. Um, the child never came home from the hospital, and and I remember visiting them at the the funeral as they said goodbye to their child. Um, but then being like being intentional, and I'll use the word intentional there. And as I was brainstorming the acronym, one of the the second P potentially was going to be purposeful. So I think of that being purposeful, being intentional about following mm-hmm. up with people, like knowing you care, like because people always move on with things. Yes. And, and I and I think it makes a big impact if you can come back a year later and say, hey, I'm just checking in. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's been about a year or I know how are things going for you? Any Anything I can do? And and out of authenticity, like being intentional, but out of right. authenticity. So it does creating those, like right, having books like that, jotting things down, having that to refer back to is so helpful in encouraging other people. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that because it, it, you're so true. Like we are always moving forward. And, and when something really tough happens, you know, people, because we're surrounded by good people, you know, people flock and everybody wants to help out, but then life keeps moving forward. But but for that person that that faced that tragedy, it it always doesn't. And uh, you know, so going back and just a couple months later, hey, I care about you. How are you? I love yep. that. Oh, definitely. And then so that takes us to the letter L, right? That's, that's right. Love. That's love. So prioritize, empathize, observe the needs, pray, and love others. And 
and I that it's just so important. And and I there was a teacher that I worked with before. Actually, I was working with the student first, and they had a note card. And I was like, "What's that note card mean?" And they said, "My teacher drew that for me." And I said, "What? What's on it?" And it, it, it's my teacher told me that she's always going to raise the bar and she's going to keep raising the bar, but she's always going to love me higher. And mm-hmm. so, so she's going to raise that bar high, but always love higher. And that was that was Mrs. Holton. She's a fifth grade teacher at Kissel Hill, and and that's something that stood with me. What was really neat about that is the kid was able to explain it. And but I but yes. I talk about it in a different way. I talk about it like First Corinthians thirteen: love is patient, love is kind. And and that's what I really break down there within that chapter. Just those little things, and that's sort of what leading with people is all about. Is all about just walking alongside people. Like leadership's no, it's nothing. It's not a big grand gesture. It's just those small moments walking with people, whether it's a teacher and students, whether it's administrator and teachers, whether it's a family, just walking side by side with people and with patience and and with kindness and how we're responding to people. I use the example, my family went to Disney World, very excited. We're headed to Disney World. We're almost there. We get to Orlando. We're we're in Orlando. We're going to pick up our bags at baggage claim. Here, Mm -hmm. there was a storm in the area, so they weren't able to go to the planes and bring in the baggage. So our family goes from excitement and now we're waiting for an hour and a half. Uh, um, so first goes our patience, mm-hmm. then goes our then <laughs> goes our kindness. Um, so it's just those those little things to remember walking day by day alongside each other. And and I and what something that stood with me is I transitioned into my role, my previous principal role. I met with the principal, and he said, "You know what? I learned uh, the moment I realized." Uh, the moment I, I quit trying to be the perfect principal and just show Christ's love to others is when it all clicked for me. And mm-hmm. that, that, that's something I try to remember, just not uh, go away from those perfectionism, that imposter syndrome, that, that anxiety that I can feel at times, uh, mm-hmm. and just love people, just love people. Yes, I think, you know, I think that helps you stay in a healthier mental mindset too like because there's always going to be things coming at us every single day there's always going to be some little fires that you got to put out or obstacles that that we need to overcome but if if we love people first yeah if we put people first that that so good and i'm going to still love me higher brother that yeah 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 no that yeah that's something that that's something that really stood out to me and like i said but she did it for every single kid. And when you, uh-huh. when you were when you were in her classroom, she would say it. You would hear her say it. And you you knew she loved them. But you could tell she raised the bar, too. And every time mm-hmm. she raised that bar, she loved a little higher. Raise the bar, love higher. Like, just, just continues to help kids reach their full potential. And that's what we want to mm-hmm. do. We want to help people reach their full potential. We want them to maximize their gifts, maximize their talents, and put them in positions to be able to do that. And that's exactly what she did. And yeah, does. Awesome. That, that's awesome. Now, how about that last pillar? Yeah, E, encourage. And Brian, you are so good at this, but encourage. And I like to choose a word of the year. I don't know if you have ever done that one word, the one mm-hmm. word challenge where you pick one word. I tried to, I think that was my first one, but now I, I pretty much say that's, that's my life word. I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage people. Mm-hmm. And and I think about the whole the whole book leading with people. I just think about all the people who have encouraged me along the way, whether it be coaches, whether it be uh, 
mentors, teachers, administrators. And mm-hmm. I, I've just been so blessed. It's, and we want to count our blessings and reflect on those people who've encouraged us. And one, one mentor in particular, I was meeting with him just on a Saturday morning, just grabbing breakfast, catching up. And I was talking about some different opportunities that were coming up. And, and I had some anxiousness about it. But here mm-hmm. I was already already in a better spot because I was I was there sharing, talking to someone. But I had anxiousness about it. Like, what impact would it have on my family? What impact would it have on my career? And he said, Zach, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to write two letters to yourself. One letter 20 years from now where you look back with regret and and the mistakes you made along the way. And I want you to write another letter where you you look back from 20 years from now writing it from the perspective of, hey, you made the right decisions. Like mm-hmm. you made the right decisions. You look back and you can nod your head and say, I made the right decisions. And he said, I also want you to think about this. Maybe you want to write it from the perspective of one of your kids or someone else. So I went home and there was a Sunday night where my family wasn't home. So I was able to really reflect. And I wrote two letters to myself from my daughter who was nine at the time. So I wrote it as if she was 29. And I just sit down. I honestly, I, I just cried as I wrote those. And mm-hmm. I cry I, I cry every time I read them because even though I wrote them, I can see those coming from her. And, and one mm-hmm. was looking back like, Dad, hey, appreciate all you did, uh, but we needed you around more. Mom needed you around more. Mm-hmm. Me and, and Elliot and Isaac, we just needed you around more. And, and I know you had a lot of people that you were having an impact on, but, but we missed you. So, and then the other, the other letter talked about like, hey, dad, I know you always had a lot of responsibilities. You're a principal and coach, but we just want to, I just want to thank you for always being there for us. I, I didn't want to tell you this, but. I've always wanted a husband just like you. And and so you just have those two different mm-hmm. types of letters. Like one is like, oh, that stings. Zach, how could you mess up all those years? And another is like, right decisions made. And then it encourages me to do those things. So those letters always, I have them written in a journal and they always have me check myself. And, and they're, yes. they're, always such an, they're always such an encouragement to me. Yeah. Listen, I told you I was up super late last night. It was about, I'd say, you know, that's one of the last chapters of the book. It was about probably 1130, 1145 at night when I'm reading that. I was getting a a little bit emotional. I said that was one of the most uh, emotional parts of the book. But it's so true. Like like that North Star. Yeah. Like what's your North Star and coming from two different, you know, perspectives. Yeah. And what path do I want to walk down? And and we're always going to, you know, we're going to stumble here and there. It's just human nature. Having the, you know, I love that you have those two letters to to help you get on that path. And I think part of it is we do, I've been been talking with the staff recently at at Providence where I'm principal, we're going to do, we're all going to do one word as a staff. Like we're all going to choose our one word. We're going to have it outside our classrooms or office areas. And one of the words we've talked about that some people might use is grace. Like we can't, mm-hmm. we can't do it all. And, right. and sometimes we need to give ourselves grace where, where we do the best that we can. We're intentional in those moments. We're at home. When we're at work, we're intentional because what's harder, it's, it, it gets harder and harder every year. Home goes to work and work's going home. They're constantly yeah. like just, just crossing. So if, if we can continue to, to fight that battle, that unhurried leadership, being present, I say it often. I had a superintendent say it all the time. Be where your feet are. 
And I talk about that in the prioritize chapter, but be where your feet are, being present with those people in front of you. You know, we have we have phones everywhere right now that connect us to people far away, but they disconnect us with the people right in front of us. So so it's certainly giving giving ourselves grace. It's it, it it's challenging right now. It, it's challenging. We also need people to hold hold one another accountable. That's why we need mentors. That's why we need yes. the relationships where where people help and guide and, and direct us and and encourage us and encourage encouragement. I talk about it. I'm a big believer in handwritten notes. And that's mm-hmm. something so small. It's so it's so simple. Writing handwritten notes, leaving it in mailboxes, leaving it on desks, leaving it in classrooms. There, there's really nothing like an authentic handwritten note. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's, that's a small, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a small thing, but it it can have such a profound effect yeah. on that person. And it doesn't have to always just be from the administrator. You know, I look at it. You know, I've received some nice emails from it. Beautiful from, uh, you know, from some of my colleagues and it's made such a, you know, it made my day. Yeah. And so I've tried to return that favor to to some other people as well. So, no, I love it, man. Now, so your book is so good. This has been so much fun. Could you tell me as we wrap up? You know, one of my favorite questions, I can't wait to hear this because uh, you have so much knowledge, a favorite podcast or a favorite book that you love to dive into? Yeah. Well, I was saying a little bit before, so I don't commute as much. So my podcast listening is way down. But when I was commuting and still um, John Gordon's uh, Positive You podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I just I really enjoy that one. I, I enjoy the guests that he gets on that he gets on there. And um, another one that's been really helpful recently is the interview chair by Jimmy Casas. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's really neat is it's they're very short, maybe ten to fifteen minutes, uh, with really with a simple focus for each episode. So so that's helpful for me as I I don't have as much of a commute right now, right? Um, but but that's been good. And I also really like uh, Bob Golf has a podcast called The Writing Room, mm-hmm. and since I, I love writing. And he gets a lot of authors on there and they sort of tell their stories about their writing process, struggles, what went well. And that that's always neat to hear. I, I love hearing from different writers and hearing their process. So the writing room where Bob Goff brings on different guests has been a tremendous help to me. And it's always just it's always just fun to listen to because some people do things completely different from how I write. But it's always neat to hear the process. Yeah. One thing and. We're both sports guys, but you know, as I get older, like diving into to that creative world is yeah. like you talked about, like that writing room is hearing other people's creative process, the lens in which they view the world, because it can help us see the world in a little bit different way too. Yep, exactly. Books, I really like uh, "Broken Down House" by Paul Tripp. Uh, that's more that's a faith based book. Uh, uh-huh. That that's been a book that's been really encouraging to me just sort of and it, that talks about the perspective and it starts with a story where they look and just think of hdtv where you go and you look at a house and some people are like whoa you can't do it and then other people are like whoa you can do a lot with that house right um, and, but so it's just encouraging faith-based book about how god works in our lives through brokenness and really building us um, through our brokenness to, to grow more and more like jesus so that's an encouraging and um I really enjoy building authenticity by Tyler Cook. 
and mm-hmm. and Todd Nesloni. That was that's an encouraging book. I'm I'm a big believer in that authenticity piece and, and really building that in as leaders, but then also creating cultures of authenticity. Mm-hmm. So that so that that's a great book and a, a book that I've stuck with me since since I worked through uh, my doctoral program was the first ninety days by Michael Watkins. And it, it and it's a really neat book when you're switching roles or you're going to a new role. And it, and it ties in a lot of these concepts I talk about with people, like the first 90 days. It's about culture. It's about learning the culture. It's about learning the people and how we we too, too often we move into action right away without getting to know the people and without getting to know the culture. So those are just mm-hmm. some podcasts. Those are some books that have been very helpful for me. Oh, I love all those recommendations, my friend. Now, if someone wanted to bring you in to to speak to their staff, if someone just wants to connect and they're struggling and they what your message resonates with them, what's the best way? Yeah, and I I really that's that's one of my favorite parts of writing is being able to connect with people. I before I get into that, I'll, I'll share a little bit. Like I just got a text message tonight from somebody I know who was a paraprofessional in a building I had served as principal before. And she had just finished leading with people and she just reached out and she just thanked me for like sharing the vulnerability and the encouragement it was to her. Um, but that's mm-hmm. such an encouragement to me. A, a couple, maybe about a month ago, I had someone reach out from Kansas. They'd reached out to me on Twitter and shared that the first two and a half pages were exactly what her son was going through. So it's helped uh, form a relationship there where we're able to talk and I'm able to support and encourage, but that's such an encouragement. So I love hearing from people. Um, I do have a website, www.zachbowermaster.com. My email address is on there. You can connect me. You can connect with me on on Twitter or Instagram as well at ZBowermaster. But I I certainly love connecting with people. I love hearing other stories. And that's that's why that's that's why I love to write, because I have a story. Everyone has a story, but not everyone tells their story. Not everyone's Mm -hmm. a writer and tells their story. So I want to be able to connect with others and then have them be able to connect with me as well. Oh, that's so good, bud. Now, if you could have the listeners walk away with one thing, what would that be? Say, always, always just stop and remember, it's all about people. It's all about people. Slowing down, and you can even think of that, the acronym, it's all about people, prioritizing people, um, getting to know them, empathizing, sharing your story, getting to know other stories observing the needs of others, responding with compassion, just being there, being that good Samaritan where when you see somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll say sick or injured, just like the good Samaritan in the Bible, where you're not crossing across the other street to get away, but you're going there to help. So observing the mm-hmm. needs, responding with compassion, um, praying for people, loving and encouraging people, just walking alongside people. Don't Don't miss the people right in front of you. Lead your families first and foremost. Don't miss the people right in front of you. Um, and just remember, it's no matter what we do, it's all about people. Oh, so good. It is all about people. And don't miss the people that are right in front of us the most. So, oh, Zach, man, this has been so good. You know, like I, I, I said before, I was up late last night diving into your book and I couldn't wait for today. And it's even... uh Better than I could ever expect. Uh, oh, Brian. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it. It's been great talking with you. 
and connecting with you as well. Really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, me too, bud. You have, uh, you know, you're blessing people with your message and, and you have a message and, uh, Keep spreading it because people Thank need you. to hear it, my friend. Thank you. That's encouraging. Thank you very much, Brian. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. This conversation was so good. Zach is so authentic, and he just brings so much passion to his work. Now, this is the Teaching Champions tape, where I share three of my favorite gems from the conversation. And the first gem that I love is how Dr. Bowermaster talked about forming connections. And one way that he does that in his school is with Fist Bump Friday. Having positive interactions is so important. And by implementing a school-wide initiative like this, you're creating a ton of positive interactions And think about what that must do for the school culture. The second gem that I loved is how Dr. Bowermaster talked about helping people maximize their gifts and talents. And whether it's the students we work with or the adults in our building, we should recognize the gifts and talents that others have. Because we all have them. And they're unique to us. And we should put people in situations where we can shine a light on those talents. And the third gem that I loved is how Zach talked about not missing the people that are right in front of you. Because sometimes we get so busy and we're so focused on so many different things that we can end up neglecting the most precious gift that we have, the people right in front of us. Now, these were just a few of my favorite gems. Hit me up at B. Martin Real on X or at Teaching Champions Podcast on Instagram and let me know what were a few of your favorite gems. A big thank you to Dr. Zach Bowermaster for dropping so many amazing takeaways. And a big thank you to all of you for being here, for being part of the Teaching Champions community. We support, we encourage, we lift each other up. And always remember, it doesn't matter whether you're from rural America to urban America to Canada to Spain to Bahrain, we're all on that same team, we're all on that same mission, and we're always better together. Keep being amazing, my friends, and as you go out into the week, may you step into your strength, may you step into your shine, and let's build our champions up. Have a great week, everybody. 